0: Hi, I'm Charlotte de Courcy-Bailey. Welcome to Mindset for Health, Tales of Extraordinary People. This is a podcast about the power of a human decision and the incredible ability of the mind to guide you on your journey through life, equipped with the skills to tackle adversity and to overcome setbacks. We are real stories with a little bit of science. Welcome to Mindset for Health, Tales of Extraordinary People. I'm Charlotte de Courcy Bailey, your host, and our guest today is Laura Gutierrez. Laura is the founder of the Love Approach Project. She's an energy healer and health coach who supports people suffering from stress and anxiety through coaching and vibrational healing tools. She uses techniques involving sound, crystal healing, intuitive healing, and Reiki. She offers one-on-one sessions and also live group healing events and workshops, which I definitely want to hear about today, please, Lara. Um, And she really, to me, epitomizes what I think is so important to health because she's just amazing at giving back and contribution because she also has a podcast, which she's been running for 10 months now called The Lover Project, and she also offers free meditations twice a week as well so people can join and connect with her and get the benefits of what she is offering. So we'd also like to hear about that. Um, Welcome. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Charlotte. It's so nice to to be here, to be one of your guests. I'm
0: so excited to chat to you. Absolute pleasure. Larry, you're working on spreading the message of resilience, self-love, awareness, healing, and finding ways to manage stress, which is A lot for us to talk about, and I look forward to talking about it. But I might start by asking you how you come to be in Australia.
1: Well, I was, that was back in 2010, hold on, 11. I went out dancing one night (laughs) and I met my husband. And my husband, he's not Australian, he's Irish. Uh, But when we met, he told me that he was on his way to Australia. And when we met, we just knew we had to meet again. We had to continue what started that evening. And so basically that was June in October, the end of October that year, I was in Australia. So he arrived first and then I followed him. And ever since I haven't left Australia.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. And was that all in Sydney?
1: we moved we were here for the first couple of months and then um we moved to melbourne for a year mm-hmm. and then we came back to sydney again
0: yes fantastic okay yes. well that's quite a story
1: i'm yeah. a dancer
0: as well dancing is important
1: oh my goodness yes the interesting thing is that my husband danced all that first night and wow. not much since then <laughs>
0: I'm sure he will find his feet again, as they say. Oh, yes. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your background and your experience. I know that you suffered debilitating anxiety and panic attacks back in 2010 when you were still living in Bogota, it was. Yes. I believe, yeah? yes. So can you let the um, the listeners know what was happening for you and what what was the impact of that on your life at the time and your family and people around you?
1: Yes, of course. So the way I see it now, um, obviously it was an important time for me because it was a time of massive transformation. So I had been um, pushing down lots of emotions uh, for many years, many, many years. My family went through a very, very bad financial crisis that really kind of like brought up all sorts of different issues at home and between my parents and families and stuff like that. And I felt that I had to have it all together, you know? And so I was just like pushing down all of these things. I did cry a lot though, <laughs> but there were many things that I wasn't expressing. And in 2010, it, I had like an explosion of all those repressed emotions. And the way that it manifested for me was with panic, panic attacks. And they were very scary for me because every time I had a panic attack, I felt I was dying. Like I literally felt I was dying. And obviously that's, that's something that is very hard to like understand in that moment. I felt powerless, completely powerless. And I just didn't know what to do. And my parents didn't know what to do. They, especially my mom, she was like, what's, what's going on? Is she going crazy? Or, you know, what's really going on? I ended up in ER three times. And, I was convinced that there was something very wrong with me in my body. And the last time that I went to a yard, like one of the doctors said, like, really, there's nothing wrong with you. They, had, they did all the tests. And they said, he said, I'm going to refer you to a psychiatrist. And that, for me, was my, my wake-up call in that moment. I knew I had to look for an alternative because I also knew I didn't want to be medicated.
0: And so- Really all they were offering was, I mean, I was going to ask what what were you offered in the way of management of this as you were going along and explanation as you were going along?
1: There was no, there was, there was no, um, how can I explain this? There was nothing of support in terms of like alternative things or suggestions about something. Like back then they just were limited, I guess, right, to examining my physical body and determining that there was nothing bad or nothing going wrong with it, right? But when it came to the emotional and mental aspect, there was a huge void, a huge gap that no one could could feel. I don't know how to say it, that no one could. Um, <laughs> I don't know the word for that. You know, like there was nothing offered around that apart from sending me to to the psychiatrist. And back then, I actually had a friend who had been going through the experience of depression and anxiety, and she had been medicated for years. And I knew about the side effects. I knew what, what that means, what that meant. So I also knew by then I had to look for an alternative. And that's what I committed to. Yeah. And that's what brought me to this path of healing and energy healing and vibrational healing. So
0: yeah. Um, At the time, your family would have been obviously frightened, worried, concerned for you. Yes. When the doctors are saying psychiatry and you're saying no, what impact did that have on the family? Were they supportive? Were they not supportive? Because that brings up then a whole new level of concern and a whole new level of anxiety.
1: Of course. So my family, well, my parents have, have always been very open to alternative medicine. So my, in fact, my sister and I were taken to a homeopath since we were very little. And so we had treatments with homeopaths, with one homeopath, actually. Like, he he was actually the pioneer of homeopathy in Colombia. Mm -hmm. An amazing guy. And he's long gone, (laughs) a while ago. um, So so they always had these interests, you know, in alternative things. And my mom is, um, my mom comes from a, from a family of basically her mom was actually very connected to like uh, nature's remedies remedies so we always use plants or herbs or vegetables or stuff at home when it came to healing something my mom also used her hands a lot without knowing what she was doing and I, I remember asking her please please place your hands on me I, especially when i had pain somewhere or in my tummy or and that would be healing for me. So I think deep down they also knew that that wasn't going to be the solution, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah, so they were. They actually supported me with all my decisions around going through all of that process with alternative medicine.
0: Brilliant. And so you made, do you recall that conscious decision that you made? Do you yeah. have memory of that? Talk us through that. Sorry? Talk us through that, if you remember it.
1: Yeah, well, I remember very much the day in which the the doctor at the in the at the emergency room came to me. I was lying down on a on a bed, and he came to me and he said, "We've we've checked all your tests. There's nothing wrong with you. I'm going to refer you to the psychiatrist." And that moment is when I made the decision. It was in that particular moment, because it was it was kind of like. And an I needed knowing, I guess, also, that I knew that if I went down the path of the psychiatry, I mean, it, it, it works for some people. For me, it just wasn't going to be that. And back then, I, it was crystal clear for me. I didn't know what I was going to do, though. I mean, I didn't know where I was going to go. <laughs> yeah, yep. perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah, yes. And I think that's, that's something that I really would like the listeners to understand is that in order to make a decision, you don't have to have the answers. You don't have to know what you're going to do. The first step is to recognize what you don't want. The second step is then to make a decision on what you think you do want. So that's that's beautiful. Thank you. You just explained that perfectly.
1: Yeah, thank you, Charlotte. And, and I couldn't agree more with you. You know, like we sometimes expect life to have everything laid out for us, right? <laughs> And uh, it just doesn't work
0: like that, yeah. <laughs> De- definitely not. Um, and that's, I mean, that's the joy of the journey though, isn't it? And yes. This is what we learn. And I often think if we, if we were given all the answers at once, how could you possibly process that? Um, you would never be able to inculcate, you'd never be able to take that information and, and make it part of you in order to know how you will then develop the next step and the next step.
1: Yes, yes, definitely. I and we would we would be missing out on so many things as well because obviously it's the ups and the downs and the challenging moments and the amazing moments. You know that make up our life, and and that's why I can now talk about that time. You know, in which I felt so unwell, so bad, so feeling that everything was wrong with me, and now see it as wow, I needed that moment. If it weren't because of that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And what I'm doing now gives me, brings me immense joy. And I, I feel of service. I feel uh, that I'm contributing to this world. So, you know.
0: <laughs> and that brings you so in line with your identity. And then you get to live true to your identity, which completely changes your experience of the world. Yes. Your, your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions about what's possible. And the whole thing is just a spiral up. Yes. <laughs> so congratulations on that. Thank you. What? How, so talk us through how you then went on that journey. What, what steps did you take? Where did the information come from? And how did you act on it? And were there any um, dead ends along the way? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, definitely. So... Interestingly, well, back then, obviously, my first uh, option or the first person that came into my mind was I'm gonna go and see the homeopath, you know. Uh, but the homeopath that had treated myself and my sister and my family for a long time, he had already passed. So he's one of his sons, one of his uh, children, actually was had taken over the practice. So I started going to see him. But homeopathy is amazing, but it can take a long time to and like show you a result in a way. And I was really struggling. I was just, I couldn't work. I couldn't leave home. It was just, it was so scary for me to like face the world. And I was just, I really wanted something that gave me a quicker solution back then. But synchronistically, um, I was I was at the practice of the homeopath and I bumped into the granddaughter of the, the, the homeopath who had already initially treated me when i was a child and she had become a reiki practitioner and a practitioner also of flower essences she was also back then finishing a degree in psychology so when i bumped into her and i talked about what was going on with me with her she straight away said would you be open to trying reiki and flower essences and I went like, I don't know what Reiki is, <laughs> but let's do it. Let's try it. And so we went along. I, I basically started going to see her. The first time that I had a session with her, I felt that my hands, in the palms of my hands, well, I don't know if you're familiar with the fact that we have chakras in our hands, like, yeah, like portals, let's say that opened and i felt that they opened that day and that there was dirt coming out of me like rivers of dirt it was incredible i had never experienced anything like that and that for me was like wow the feeling of lightness and of energy you know the, of aliveness that i felt after the first session was the confirmation for me that i had made the right decision you know and I continued going to her for months and after maybe three or four months I I was completely different I was in a completely different space and funny enough this is when after this time and after doing some studying this is when I meet my husband you know so my life had changed so much that I was able and open. To connect to this amazing person, you know? yeah, perfect, yeah, and so that obviously, if, how can I explain this? That was the beginning, but the journey is still going on. You no, know, I'm still learning, I'm still learning about myself, I'm still discovering things about me all the time. So, we cannot say that you know it's just one thing that will fix it or heal it. You know, it's a continuation, and that's the beauty, I think. You know, when we fall in love with our healing journey or with getting to know ourselves, then our life becomes that path.
0: So very, very true. And I loved the comment, your synchronicity, that, you know, on that day, somebody was there who was ready to give you the next piece of information you needed. And so many times, I think, we can be inside our head and shut down to what's available around us so that we miss those amazing opportunities where the universe really has given you, delivered you something. If you are open to receive it, it is there and you can take action on it. And that's part of that decision process, the decision to be open to receive, to recognize there are things coming out of left field sometimes.
1: Yes, yes. It requires that we trust, right, that we trust ourselves and that we trust that we are not alone that there is definitely a higher power consciousness whatever you want to call it that it's that it's around us you know and that everything is so connected you know that everything is like the the image that comes to my mind is like you know when we when we have a look at let's say a galaxy you know everything is just like working together but if you were to look at look at it with a microscope then you would see that there would be lots of planets and lots of stars and lots of but everything is working together and one day you bump into one person and another day you bump into a group or, or a book or an event or you know and everything is just working with you and as you say if we are open then that's when we find more of those things
0: yeah and we know what to do with it when it comes our way as well
1: Yes, yes.
0: So family and friends started to notice a difference, I presume? Yes, yeah. What kind of comments were you receiving and did this lead on a journey for them as well? Did it change their expectations of their life or their journey?
1: Well, I, I... I think that um, back then I, I became really excited about the effects <laughs> that Reiki and flower essences were having on me, you know. And so I started sharing that with everyone. And then I, I I decided to study Reiki, of course, because it was such a it was such a powerful tool for me that I thought, okay, well, I might as well learn this, you know, and, and start sharing it with others but initially it was learning it for me to be able to support myself um so at home i was doing reiki on my mom on my dog on the plants on the (laughs) my dad was the only one who didn't let me do so
0: i guess i guess that brings up for me you mentioned that you know your mom has healing hands and you would say mom please put your hands here Mm. Um, did you open her up to the idea that she had these skills or did she really know and she just hadn't ventured down that path? How, how did that fall, unfold?
1: Well, my mom ended up studying Reiki as well. Yeah, she hasn't really used it. I mean, she uses it when someone says, can you give me a hand, you know, can you do some Reiki in me? Or, or when I say, can you send me some Reiki? <laughs> You know, but she hasn't really explored it beyond that. I think for her it's so natural in a way that it's like, like, what do you want me to do? You know, what do you want me to do with this?
0: It's a state of being for her.
1: Sorry? It's, it's a state of being? being.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. But It's just occurred to me that some of our listeners might not be completely familiar with Reiki. So okay, you, yes. How would you describe it to someone who's never, you're going to do a first session on them? What would you yeah. say
1: So I would describe it as, well, Reiki basically translates like source energy or live energy, we can call it like that, or universal energy. And what happens during a Reiki session is that the practitioner uh, who has been attuned to that frequency then becomes a conduit and transmits, let's say, that energy to the the client, the patient. And then the patient in, its, in his or her opening you know, to receive this energy reclaims harmony or regains harmony. So it's not that the practitioner goes and heals anything. It's just that it becomes a conduit for that energy to travel to that person. You know? Because sometimes when we are feeling unwell, we do feel disconnected you know? and, and we perhaps feel think or imagine that we cannot access that energy i do believe that we all have access to that energy but sometimes we just need that little push or the little help that support and that's what uh for me in particular reiki means now you know after having been practicing for nearly 10 years now
0: so yeah i hope that's clear i think i think so and what kind of so for listeners sitting at home going well hmm, is this something that would help me? What kind of symptoms? I know that's a little bit Western medicine, but uh, it's an easy thing for people to understand or easier thing. What kind of symptoms do you think lend themselves to seeing a Reiki practitioner?
1: Well, if we basically with Reiki we can treat all our bodies, all our energetic bodies, and also our physical body. But I have found that it really supports people with all the mental and emotional issues, especially mm-hmm. because sometimes when something has already become so dense that it's in our bodies, we need some extra help, some more physical help, let's say. So I, I find it and I have, I mean, I have found it, obviously I found it amazing for me, um, but I have found that it works really well. You know, it has worked really well with my clients. I use other tools as well, but Reiki has always been, like, my first one.
0: (laughs) go-to, yeah.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: And I love the comment that it was after you were on your healing journey that you met your husband as well, so you were then open to be able to receive more of what was going to become a feed-forward loop to improve your general health and well-being
1: yes definitely and and he's been an amazing part of this journey because he he has been so open to receiving but also to learning to seeing the world from a different perspective like I mean Steve he's he trained as a biotechnology I don't know biotechnology I don't know what's the word for that but he studied biotechnology and chemical engineering and I never thought he would be you know like open to all of this but when we first got together he would say just can you do a little bit of Reiki on my head and I would do that and he would, he would go like I don't understand I cannot explain this but I feel so much better
0: brilliant so we, we mentioned earlier um, struggle and your difficulty with the panic attacks. Um, you mentioned earlier in a talk with me about wanting to deal with ego, how to deal with ego.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How does what you've done or how have you dealt with your ego and what do you think people have available to deal with their ego and by the way, what is ego so people understand? <laughs> Beautiful. Well, I,
1: I thought that, that was the easiest way to, to kind of like talk about those parts of us that basically come from fear, you know. So when, when I talk about or, or basically what I understand about ego, because again, this is my personal experience, um, is that it's is that part of us that is always taking care of us in a way you know, but sometimes it gets a bit too much in the way. (laughs) And so in my experience, the way I have identified ego is in roles, you know, so, and this actually has become really relevant for me this year in particular. So last year I actually had um, a health issue, as well, towards the end of the year. And it was then, in that moment, when I realized that there were parts of me that were keeping me still in an aspect of victimhood, which, by the way, had always been present for me, you know? And that was, you know, that was, I have to say that that was something that fed the anxiety, fed the panic, you know, that victim role that wanted to, in a way, get Things resolved by someone else, or <laughs> you know, or keep experiencing um, illness or difficult situations because that was what I was used to, you know, and so it kept me safe. And that's that's what I mean with dealing with evil. Being able to, I think, before dealing with it or before working with it, we must really be aware that it is present, right, and identify it. So. Last year, at the, beginning of, at the beginning of this year, actually, I was, I was actually able to identify two parts of me that, were, that had always been with me, but I had never really been able to pinpoint them. And there were one part that was like the victim and another part that was a narcissist. Very interesting because they're kind of like completely the opposite in a way. But both of those parts of me were keeping me stuck.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: keeping me repeating cycles despite all the inner work that I've been doing despite you know all the healing despite all my intention to change unless I identified these parts of me that were keeping me stuck I wasn't going to be able to move forward more yeah right so that was like the next stage and my invitation with this for everyone is that my goodness, it's okay to have parts of us that are not nice, you know, it's okay to see them as well. Because when we see them, then we realize, okay, this is not my real core. This is not the the me that has come here to live a life in my fullest and the fullest of my potentials, you know. So by acknowledging those parts of us that are not that are, that are part of that are keeping us stuck. Then we are able to move forward. And it was that it was really the the acknowledging, you know, the awareness. So oh, okay, <laughs> these two parts are here, yeah. and now I can identify them. Sorry, I interrupted you.
0: <laughs> no, I, that's exactly what I was going to ask. Yeah. So when you're in a moment and something isn't moving, you're then able to identify that maybe these guys are getting in the way.
1: Exactly, exactly. And um, there's something about my particular story, you know, since I was a child, I I had all sorts of, um, how do you call this, like, I wasn't sick, I wasn't a sick child, but I always had something going on, yeah. you know, I either, I, I Either I broke an arm or I, you know, very bad tonsillitis or, you know, stuff or lots of skin rashes and stuff like that. And that part of me, um, in a way, came up to that, that part of me that believed that he needed to be sick, you know, or to feel unwell or to either be loved or to be liked or to feel safe or, you know, it was just there for that, to help me feel like that, to help me feel that, you know, I, I was okay. But when I was able to realize that actually I don't really, I don't really need to be like this because it prevents me from experiencing my life to the fullest. So now whenever I get sick, I am able to go, and, and look at myself and say, okay, why am I getting sick? Why is, this, why is this coming in? What am I looking for? Am I looking to be loved? Am I looking to be accepted? Am I looking to feel safe? You know, what triggered this? What happened here? And I also know that these can be hard to accept for many of us, you know, that we can create these kind of things in our life. Uh, but when we go past that and we are able to look at them and accept them, oh, yeah, it's, it's that part of me. Yep. Okay, so now how am I going to move on?
0: Couldn't agree more. That was beautifully put. Thank you. And we carry this, this software, if you want to call it software, that needs to be unloaded and, or updated and reinstalled. Often it may be something like, getting attention it's a way of getting attention and there's a void when we become ill again and as you said you can look and go okay what what am I trying to achieve here what's the message what's that void that I'm trying to fill and am I expecting somebody outside of me to fill that because I then get attention whereas actually hey you know what I can actually fill that void myself now that I've realized it's there And therefore I don't need to do this behavior in order to get the attention or, and I know that a lot of people, a lot of the listeners are probably thinking getting attention, that sounds very bad, but it's a way in which a lot of human beings function and it's what drives a lot of illness. So once we realize that we can actually do that for ourselves, it disempowers those parts of the ego. And you can move on to another whole new level of experience.
1: Definitely. And this is where I particularly feel that we reclaim our power, that we reclaim what I love to call our sovereignty, you know, and, and when we realize that we are actually divine, you know, and we are that extension of whatever you want to call it, source, universe, God, whatever, we are that. And so we don't need those other things that just feel heavy or um, that they're just preventing us from experiencing that divinity here on earth.
0: And for some people, it might not be illness. For some people, it might be the need to go and purchase things. Exactly. They need to go and buy things. Um, retail therapy, you know, it's another way of getting human contact. It's another way of getting significance. Yeah. As a person walking into a shop to buy something, um, so this plays out in so many different ways.
1: So many different ways,
0: it's and the sabotage role as well.
1: Yes, exactly. And I would say that it is it is required that we feel courageous enough to explore those parts of us and i would also add that it's okay to have someone to give us a hand exploring that
0: yeah definitely mm. yeah then somebody outside of you it's um my guest yes. last week eric winters said exactly the same thing it's incredibly difficult to be the person in charge of your own life sometimes um, and to take all responsibility for this. So, yes, sharing it with someone else. So last week we spoke about the, the role of using a coach, So that could have been a psychologist type of coach. But, yes, as you've said, you're a health coach. So how does a health coach help somebody who's got stuck? How, how is that different from a psychology coach?
1: Yes. Well, in terms of health coaching, actually, we focus on the – like from with the school that I learned – um from we focus on two things which is primary foods and secondary foods and with primary foods we have everything around spirituality emotions our mindset you know how we feel do we feel connected or disconnected you know what's really feeding us that's primary food and then secondary foods are foods you know, things that we eat. <laughs> so I would say that for me, like I, I decided to study health coaching because I saw it as a way to integrate or to ground a little bit more of my energetic work, the work that I was doing. And, but I have really decided or I have really enjoyed, I have to say, focus, to focus on the emotional and mental aspects of, of that coaching. You know, so it really, it's, it's very, how can I say this? I would say it's very particular because I work on a one-on-one basis with my clients. Like when I see them one-on-one, it really depends on what they need. You know, some of them need more of the chatting, you know, more of the uh, trying to work it out in their minds first. And some of them just need the energy work. So it's a combination of the two of them, um, but I have also uh, have had the opportunity to create these beautiful groups that I work with—one in English, one in Spanish—in which we do do a following. So we meet every week, and we have the opportunity of sharing the experience of working through what's going on. You know, they have the opportunity of expressing what's going on in their lives. You know, it's a safe environment; it's a safe place. They feel supported. They feel held. They feel that they belong you know, and that's what I provide for them, basically. And they also get to experience the energetic side of stuff, either with a group session or with a personalized session.
0: Fabulous. And how do people find out about that? And if they want to join up, how do they join up to one of your meditations or one of your group sessions? Talk us through that.
1: Yeah. So, well, they can find it on my website, which is theloveapproachproject.com. Or they can go to my Instagram at the Love Approach Project, Facebook at the Love Approach Project. Or even better, they can join my private Facebook group in which I run two free meditations a week. And so it's a nice, it's a nice way of connecting or feeling supported. And in that group, I also share tools and um, resources around how to deal with stress, with anxiety. And of course, I will be sharing my events and stuff there as well. So that's called Love in Times of Uncertainty. And they can just type it into Facebook and
0: ask to join. Brilliant. Wonderful. So that's your homework, people. And that's (laughs) how you can move forward with this. Just uh, doubling back a little bit, um, I thought it was very important to let people know as well that you mentioned some of the setbacks and some of the uncertainty and the struggles, and it's not all just smooth sailing. Talk us through what you think those roles are of of falling down and getting back up again and falling down and getting back up and resiliency.
1: Yes, well, this this reminds me of a story. Well, not a story, actually. It's it's something that I experienced. But when I was in Colombia, soon after I started studying Reiki, I also started uh, going to Kung Fu classes. And they were awesome. They were so good. Like I felt so grounded and in my body and fit. Oh my goodness. I was so fit. (laughs) But anyway, uh, one of the things that they uh, recommended, because we, one of the things that you start experiencing when you practice, I would say a martial art, even though I haven't tried any other martial arts, I have to say, uh, is that you fall and fall (laughs) and you keep falling, you know, and you have these massive bruises and everything hurts and you just need to, you just learn to not only get up, but you as, as you fall and fall and fall, your energy becomes stronger. You know, your life energy actually becomes stronger. And so for me, this is the perfect analogy of challenges and of failures, we can call them like that, you know, in life. Because they just make us stronger. But for these, we do need to be aware and give, be a, aware, and actually to be able to give them the meaning that they are that. Because if we see challenges and failures or falling as setbacks as, as things that just are wrong or not good or whatever, then we won't be able to get the benefit out of them. You know So I remember in one of the intensive courses that I went to. In Colombia, um, they recommended that we actually took a stick and we actually heated our, our arms, you know, just like literally bruising our arms. And that was a technique in which uh, we could strengthen our energy. So it was like intentional.
0: <laughs> that, is, that is very intense, intentional work. <laughs>
1: Yes. obviously we would be, wouldn't be would be like violent you know but just, just start soft um, but, but that for me was like oh okay this is very interesting so this is what happens and sometimes I know I, I think we've all been there when we go through difficult things we don't want to be going through them it feels yucky it feels so uncomfortable and we would like to know when is this going to end <laughs> but if we are strong enough or if we have that commitment with our in our life with our inner work and we power through all of that and with power i mean we consciously work through what's coming up are you know bring awareness to how we are feeling start using tools to be able to work through the situation, we are gonna come the other end, out the other end, a lot wiser, a lot stronger, a lot more energized, with new ideas. You know, we're gonna we're going to grow.
0: Yeah. And and growth is just one of our our human needs. Without growth, we die. There is no I think sometimes there's a little bit too much focus in the world on achieving balance, and everybody's like, I've got to be in that Zen state of balance. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it's a, a teeter as the Americans call it. You know, it's a seesaw between in balance, out of balance, and the resilience and the, the strength comes from learning to get yourself back up the slope when it's tipped over too much one way you you, you build your strength by climbing back up the teeter totter to get it to balance and then it'll tip over the other way and that's fine it, is that to me anyway it's that continual need to balance the challenges and the joy and yeah yeah
1: and i just like what you touched on because i i see it from the point of view of well two two different things one is the cycles you know, we have cycles of life and death every day. Like even our breath is a cycle of life and death. So for us to expect that life is always going to be beautiful and rosy and nice, it's, it's not realistic. Yeah, And it, we wouldn't be going anywhere. We wouldn't be learning anything. And that's not the point of being alive. We came here to learn. So cycles days and nights you know we have days and nights in our day to day and also when it comes to balance i i actually like to talk about harmony because sometimes it's not about what you're saying right it's 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 like people are really trying to oh this has to be in balance but what if your harmony is perhaps a little bit more of one thing than the other one and that's how you work best And that's where you are best so if we can see like that it also helps us um, move through difficult times or difficult moments challenging moments uncertainty in a different way
0: yep and and i think that's wonderful analogies that you've um spoken there for the listeners it's easy in this modern world to allow other people's expectations of how you should perform or what your life should look like, um, your family telling you how you should be, and if your harmony or your balance is not their balance, then that brings up all sorts of interesting situations. (laughs) And at the same time, as you said, when we hit these periods of challenge, we need that support. Yeah. Yeah. And those around you—it's great if they can be the people who support you. And when you have support, it's easier because you have more certainty to be able to deal with the uncertainty, with the struggle, and the challenge.
1: Yes.
0: I think yeah. That's a very important part of making sure that the people around you are supporting you, and yet at the same time they're understanding and acknowledging your harmony or your balance or your best state of being.
1: Yes, yes. It, that has been actually, in my opinion, one of the, the most crucial things, to feel supported, to feel supported. And if the people that are around you are not giving you that, look for it.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So ask, I would say,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, Lara, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Your journey has been... Incredible, congratulations on coming through that and taking what the universe was giving you, what your learnings were and taking that information and becoming such an empowered and empowering young lady, offering such wonderful services and assistance, as I said, giving back, contributing so much and fulfilling on your your human needs because so many people will benefit from hearing you today. Thank you. And I encourage anybody who is in Sydney, unfortunately, Laura is in Sydney, so you have to be in Sydney too. Um, But anybody who is in Sydney to reach out to her at theloveapproachproject.com, is that correct? And have a look on her website and look into joining her meditations and experiencing, if you can, one-on-one or in the group, some of her energetic healing. I'm certainly looking forward to it.
1: Oh, Charlotte, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's so lovely to have this kind of um, nourishing chats. and you know, they're very, they're, I just, I have to say, it's, it's just nice to be able to have a conversation like this because it's time that we start talking about all these things and, yeah, spreading the message, yeah.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindset for Health. Thank you. Look forward to speaking with you all again next week bye for now bye thank you so much for listening if this is a message that resonates with you make sure that you check out the link in the description and subscribe to get more insight on mindset for health tales of extraordinary people